machines and computers, profit motives and property rights are considered more important than people. The giant triplets of racism, extreme materialism and militarism are incapable of being conquered. George Bush doesn't care about black people. History Month, but we don't have a White History Month. Well, all we've ever been taught is white history. If it was not for the love and respect shown to me by black women, those right-wing, ultra-conservative, alt-right haters, they would have me believe I'm too black, I'm too confrontational, I'm too tough, and I'm too disrespectful of them. But now, I know I'm simply a strong black woman. We're in a time where corporations are treated like people and people are treated like things. They promote legislation that attacks voting rights, the poor, LGBT citizens, the immigrant community, and civil rights that are lewd, mean-spirited, and fundamentally contrary to what our democracy is supposed to be about. What is bad is not what they are doing. What would be bad is for us not to fight back. Hey ho, let's go. This is 102.3 WHIV LP FM. You are listening to Resistance Radio. My name is Mark Calendary. With me as always, looking dapper, handsome. Well, he's actually wearing a tracksuit today, but that's all. But still. You mean a jacket? That looks like a tracksuit. Isn't that what they call a tracksuit? That's like a, a jacket. It's well, where's the Apparently suit? Mark where's Allen the tie? Has never where's heard the of a jacket? Where's before. no? It's a tracksuit. It's wearing, a tracksuit with your I'm name a, on I'm it. I'm wearing a, a, tra- a, a like a <laughs> zip up jacket from a school that I used to work at. There we which go. Is in anyway, this neighborhood. That as always is uh, one of my closest friends, somebody I admire greatly, Kenny Francis, uh, one of the founding members of Indivisible NOLA, uh, and also one of the smartest political minds that I have met, certainly in this room certainly in this station, and certainly in the state of Louisiana. Kenny, how are you? I'm all right. Uh, I'm happy to be back this week. You know, doing this show every week is like one of my favorite things, and the, as much as I hate to admit it, hanging out with you is not, is not too bad either. <laughs> um, yeah, as uh, many other New Orleanians are going through right now, it, it is the pollening. Um, and my allergies are going crazy. So the I, pollening. The oh, pollen. yeah, that's right. That's I, really I sympathize with everyone else who's going through what I'm going through right now. Right. Um, we have a bunch of things to... Um, talk there's, about there's nothing in the email. We have a bunch of things to talk to talk about today, but I do want to talk about something um, really quickly that's like has been like all over social media today, um, and it's um, and it's a big it's a big part it's a big part of the news cycle. Um, as many of you have probably heard, if you're fans of hip hop at all, um, the rapper Nipsey Hussle was shot and killed yesterday um, in his hometown 
of LA. Uh, he was actually shot outside, standing outside of the store. The store Mar- owned, Marathon is that what uh, it was yeah, it's called Marathon. It was right. actually uh, he was shot outside of the store that he owns, um, which was he built in the neighborhood that he's from. And I just want to make I don't want to spend too long on it um, because it's it's it doesn't really connect to the rest of what we're talking about today. Um, but I do want to make like two points for folks that listen. Um, one of them being that something that frustrates me greatly is that like if you look at at the media today, both like social media and otherwise, um, he was either a like hardcore gang banging like thug who like got an ending that was like befitting of the life that he lived, or he was this like saint sent to like save communities his community on his own and the reality of it is that like we are all complicated nuanced people and there's many facets to us there's many facets to me to you to everyone and it was in the same way that it was to him so like yes he did grow up um in a community where he ended up involved in gang life um he did he did evolve from that and like something i really want to focus on that part is like the, the part of like evolving like the reality of like where he came from and the like lack of opportunities he had growing up and the type of neighborhood that he grew up in to see the growth that he had made in the short time he died at 33 he, he rebuked gang the, the, lifestyle the, didn't he not quite okay and the, but my point is that like if there's one thing that is true the, the one like blanket statement you can make about Nipsey Hussle is that like what i think the reason why he spoke to so many people in the way that he lived his life and the and the, and the way that he was is that he was constantly evolving. He had evolved so much, and in a minute here, um, we're gonna play a clip of an interview, of a part of an interview that he did when he was only 20 years old um, that I just sent you. Um, and even in that clip, he had already evolved so much from like where he was early in his teenage years, and in the 13 years since he did this interview, he has evolved so much more than that. And I think that like people's inability to talk about people as like the complicated like whole person that they are is a huge part of like our problem as a society in understanding each other and being able to find common ground and being able to treat other human beings like humans. It is true that he came from a rough background and made lots of decisions in his earlier years and probably decisions in his later in his later years that like weren't great. At the same time, he also did a whole lot for his community. He invested a lot in the community he came from and believed very much in the idea of what he would refer to as like a trickle up, where it's like, I'm gonna take this money that I have made, reinvest it in the people that like survived this with me and the community that I'm a part of, and to grow everything together. And he was constantly talking about like ownership, like he did, um, so just a very brief story. Um, before he did his first major release, he did a mixtape that he released um, only a certain amount for, um, and he sold it a $1,000 a piece, and you basically get the Biden person. And it was something that no one had ever done before um, at a time where people were being told to give their music away for free and the and major labels were you know signing these like really exploitive deals with artists and he did the exact opposite of that and had a great deal of success for it and he immediately turned that around and invested it in his community. Um, that's just like the, the way that he thought, which he changed hip hop culture in a lot of ways that was like all about like instant gratification and like flossing and like showing and like this sort of like bravado that was so like short lived that was very emblematic of the lives that many um, rappers and like hip hop artists like live. And he was one of the first that was like thinking in the long term, thinking the long game, thinking about and, and always talking about growing, always talking about evolving, always talking about learning. 
Um, and at the same time, he's also a guy who had problematic views about homosexuals. So it's like he is he was a very complicated person who did a lot of good things. There were some bad things he did, and there were some problematic beliefs he had. And I hope that like we can get to a place where we can talk about people in honest ways that's like respectful of the person that they were, because there is an undeniable good that he did in his community. Um, the other thing I wanted to say on his death that bothers me is that in these I'm already so tired of the conspiracy theories about like this like whole like there's some like shadow Illuminati that like led to him getting killed because he was making a documentary about Dr. Sebi and we won't even get into Dr. Sebi because like that's so far down a conspiracy conspiracy theorist like hole that I don't want to go there. Um, there's only thing I'll say about Dr. Sebi is that like none of that's real. Like that dude's a con artist. He's been proven multiple ways to be a con artist and like people are just choosing to believe it anyway, just like the anti-vaxxers and every other conspiracy theory. Um, there, the, the, if there's a conspiracy theory to his death, it's a conspiracy theory that I think that we all need to face. The reality that capitalism and white supremacy have created generational poverty and systemic racism that has, ha that has been contributing to us killing ourselves in our own communities because of lack of scarcity of resources and choices for literally hundreds of years. And at some point, we all need to realize that we have a common enemy and that common en enemy is like capitalism and white supremacy and the forces that keep those structures in place so that our community feels like it has no options. And we end it, and, and, and it often ends in senseless violence. We don't know what happened with his death yet. We don't know who killed him yet. But I guarantee you it's not going to be some like complicated story. It's going to be like something that someone did not deserve to die over for and someone deciding to use a gun that they probably should have never had in the first place to kill someone else. And that's like probably going to be the story. Um, and it's just, it's really, really sad. And like too often we continue to lose people famous or not. Like how many young black lives are snuffed out in this way every single day. And it's, I'm so tired of seeing it. And with that, um, before we get into like what we're going to talk about for the rest of the hour, I want to go briefly into a clip from Nipsey Hussle from when he was 20 years old that pretty much embodies everything I just said. Um, I'll let you guys listen. A lot of people don't know, man, in East Africa and Somalia and all those places, they have the war poets out there. All that rap stuff that we do today came from Russell. I'm sorry. We're going to start it again. It, it, it actually was playing. My apologies. We're going to start it again. So we're going to do it again. Russell, that's named after Nipsey Russell, the Correct. comedian. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So talk a little bit about yourself, man. What brings you up here, up and coming? And, you know, how come you're not blinging and having all kind of crazy diamonds and all that? I guess you're here to get your money right, huh? All the time. I mean, you know, all that is cool for the image and all that, but all them is liabilities. You feel me? I'd rather invest in some real estate. You know what I'm saying? Something oh, wait, well, can you repeat that again, man? You're up and coming artist. What did you say you want to do? I say invest in some assets as opposed to trick off my money on some liabilities like diamonds. You know what I'm saying? Cars that lose value, so you drive them off the lot. So you're trying to you're trying to get land. Exactly, homie. A real asset. Take care of my peoples, cause you know that's it. It look good, but at the end of the day, you losing value, homie. It ain't it ain't it ain't appreciating. It's depreciating. It's losing value. What do you think? Uh, why do you think it's so hard for people to get that message? You know, I mean, one half you get guys that say they got to impress the females. Female ain't trying to talk to you unless you blinged out. On the other hand, you got other people feel like they got to show off to the homies and impress them with their riches. I mean, what what do you think is the? How do we get that out of that mindset? I mean, I feel like that's insecurity. Material things ain't nothing, you feel me? At the end of the day, it's who you is, you know? You wasn't born with it, you're gonna die without it. So if you feel you need some, some diamonds or some jewelry to get out of female, it's because you feel you lack something within yourself, you know what I mean? So all that, as far as that angle, it's like I feel that's insecurity. 
Now talk a little bit about yourself, man. You out here, what'd you say, Slauson, right off Crenshaw and all that, right? What, he's Egyptian? No, you, no? Oh. he's African. <laughs> oh, yeah. see, she got it all wrong. She, you know. She got the continent right now. Yeah, you got the continent. Okay, well, you know. She said he's Egyptian, you know. Ethiopia is a little bit different, man. It's a little bit over to the west, you know. She, she didn't take uh, classes there. good, though. She got the continent right, though. You know what I mean? I'm African, but I'm from L.A., though. You know what I mean? All right, talk a little bit about what you're doing and, and, and how you're trying to make a difference in terms of the west coast scene out here right now. How you trying to fit in? What's what's your angle? I mean, I'm just representing what's going on out here. You know what I'm saying? From from a perspective of a young dude that's been out in these streets in LA, you feel me? I'm just, you know, giving it to him raw and uncut. But at the same time, I'm, I'm not I'm not glorifying this violence that's popping out here because it ain't nothing to, to glorify. You know what I'm saying? I'm just really it's like I, I look at my music like like a snapshot of my neighborhood, you feel me? What what's your neighborhood like, man? Lots I mean, of big houses, pools, uh, nice police officers and everything? No, no, nothing like that, you feel me? No. Do they protect and serve in your neighborhood? No, no, you feel me? They react. The police react. They don't stop nothing. It's still people getting killed, still robberies popping. Everything happened, they just react to it. You know what I'm saying? They take you to jail and make money off you after it happens. They don't stop nothing, though. Okay. The police don't protect and serve nothing. They just react to it, you feel me? So let me ask you, you know, um, L.A. right now has been experiencing a lot of black and brown stuff, you know, a little violence going on there. What would you say to that? And, and somebody in your neighborhood coming from where you're at, what, what message do you give so people can maybe see it, see things in a different light? I mean, I feel like, you know, we got a common enemy, you know what I'm saying? So I don't feel we got time to be beefing, you know what I'm saying? It don't make no sense. That, that's divide and conquer, you know what I'm saying? That's Willie Lynch, you know what I mean? It, we got a common enemy in these capitalist that's that's taking control of our assets and and, and and colonizing what we're doing as far as rap music as far as our continent we came from our culture and all that like we got a common enemy so we ain't got time to to have issues amongst ourselves the same as well as a black on black are you have you been back to africa you know i know next uh in january they're gonna have a big uh, world social forum in kenya nipsey uh, dead at 33 and gone way way too soon um thanks for letting me share that it was just it, it was just on my mind all day um with that I want to jump into what we're going to part of what we're going to talk about this week. Uh, we have a great guest with us who's actually a good friend of mine. Um, we're going to be talking a little bit about renters' rights and a company called Rent Check that's seeking to help renters and landlords. Um, it's, it's a hot topic issue in our state and in our um, in our city. Sort of like a broad thing. If somehow you haven't had experience with this and you probably haven't rented in the city, um, Louisiana has like very, very to be kind, lax. Some would say non-existent rules around like renting um well, well to, to be clear the the rules are heavily weighted in favor yes. of the land owners or the building owners so they're, i mean they're, they're not as, and just a small thing like a, a personal thing for this and me is that like one uh, when i was in college i actually interned at a real estate firm in dc right. while i was in college and i was utterly floored when i moved to louisiana and saw just the utter lack of like renters rights i mean even we've sim- talked about this even before. simple things right. like in Louisiana, it's illegal to withhold your rent from your landlord if they're like not fulfilling the terms of their lease. Um, a thing that's also true in Louisiana is that if you are one day and one dollar short on your rent, your landlord can start eviction proceedings. Right. You heard that right. One day, one do- so like today's April first. If I sent my rent check in and I was one dollar short tomorrow, my landlord could start eviction proceedings. Right. That's Insane. Yeah, I, I read an article this weekend, and I didn't. I didn't know we were going to be talking about this. Otherwise, I would have paid more attention. But it, it was something along the lines that was reviewing that evictions are far too common yes. in the um, state of Louisiana. And we're gonna do it. We're gonna do. I'm gonna tease this here. It's like two things that I want to do um, a deep dive in later episodes over on. So 
keep listening, folks. If you do already listen, please keep listening. One is um, I want to talk um, deeper about a city council ordinance that we just passed on inclusionary zoning, which just passed last Thursday. A second thing I want to do a, a deeper dive episode on is the evictions um, because it's really, really bad. I mean, just a very, very brief thing. The citywide eviction rate in New Orleans is nearly twice the national average. And when you look at that through a socioeconomic and racial lens, um, for low-income black folks, that is almost four times the national average just here in Orleans Parish. And a huge part of it is these these the lack of renters' rights protections um, that we're mentioning. And, I mean, on a personal level, I'm a person with an immense amount of privilege. And I've actually never gotten my security deposit back from any place that I've lived in this city. Um, and anyone who's been to my house, like, I take care of my stuff. Like, it, it's not like I, like, destroyed my place there's any like real reason why a landlord would want to take it but like every single time it's happened which has happened at least four times now it's been a calculation of me where it's like this person's trying to keep my deposit i don't have neither the time or like capital to go like hire a lawyer to go fight this in small claims court to get back my 800 hundred dollar deposit right wasn't didn't jp morrell wasn't there wasn't one of the bills so that- a law that passed basically doubled the fines to landlords who are who have been proven to like illegally taken right um, and but again, you still have to take them to court. Right, 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 right. So you still have to be able to take off of work. But, but it, it, disincent- it disincentivizes. It, it, it's, it's, it's not as yes. easy. It's not yes. nearly it's as no, good. It's, but I mean, it's still like it's definitely harder than it was before. So this law that passed was definitely a good thing. And like what um, Mark Allen is talking about is that the last in the last um, legislative session last April, a bill was passed that doubled the fines on landlords who were proven to have like illegally kept a renter's um, a renter's deposit and it also like said that that landlord would then have to pay the legal fines the legal fees of if they lost that judgment but again the access point is you still have to even have the time and access to like take them to court whereas most people particularly if you're in like a bad situation you just need to get into another place with a roof over your head let alone deal with that particularly since you've just lost money probably um, and I mean, it's a rampant part problem in our city and our state. Um, one which our guest here today has like sought to solve with a company she created. She's actually a good friend of mine. Her name is Lydia Winkler. I'm gonna let her introduce herself. Hi there, I'm Lydia Winkler. I am the co-founder of RentCheck. We're an app that standardizes property inspections to bring transparency around security deposits. Um, a little bit. I actually had this problem that Kenny has also had of not getting your security deposit back. Um, and after my first year of law school here, I didn't get my security deposit back. 30 days came and went. I sent several demand letters to my landlord, didn't get a response, and I decided it would be an injustice to my legal education not to pursue it. So I represented myself in small claims court and sued my former landlord. And I submitted time-stamped photos into evidence that showed the move-out condition of my apartment while my opposing counsel submitted photos that weren't time-stamped, showed my landlord trashed her own apartment, and tried to blame her actions on me. So I won the judgment, but it took over a year and a half for me to recover those funds. And then fast forward a year later, I meet my business partner, Marco, who's a landlord and had a similar problem from a landlord's perspective. So we put our heads together and RentCheck was born. And what it is, is it's a simple app that is a guided walkthrough of exactly how to do a move-in inspection. And so this way, you get a side-by-side comparison of this is what it looks like when I move in. This is what it looks like when I move out. So you can't it, you avoid unjust deductions from your security deposit. Um, so the statistics are scary. 45% of renters will lose, will have a dispute with their landlord in their renter lifetime. And 30% of renters will lose some or all their security deposit. And the average loss 
per deposit is $693. Is this in Louisiana or is it are those national statistics? All over the world. And so I would imagine that it's probably higher in, in the state so of So it's significantly, yeah. So those statistics, our app is all over the world. These statistics are nationwide, but in Louisiana specifically, those statistics are much higher um, because the laws lean heavily in favor of landlords. So, and then also we can uh, also uh, uh, announce that you just, you won the, the, the pitch competition at the, at the big idea? At New Orleans Entrepreneurship Week, Friday right. evening. Yes, we won the Coulter pitch, which was $50,000. Congratulations. Congrats, yeah. Thank you. So that's going to go a long way to helping that app uh, come to fruition. Yes. Yes. We're excited. Um, it's, you know, part of our seed round so we can really hone in on our product market fit and reaching as many renters and landlords as so possible. So do you have an app that's ready available? Yeah. You can download it in the Apple store and Google play. And We're on called, Android and, and it's, it's called, called rent check. check. Yeah. And essentially the person who uses rent check is somebody that would, is moving into a, uh, let's say an apartment there's going to take some photographs of the condition of the apartment. And then when they move out, then the app sits unused probably for the duration that they, uh, that they live in there. And then when they leave, they take the same pictures on the way out the door as photographic evidence of what the condition of the uh, apartment is when they come and go, essentially. Yes, um, for renters. But landlords can also use it that have multiple units, so they're using our platform more. Got it, of course. And the, renter, yes. and the landlords can request that the renter does it, so they can offload the burden onto the renter and then also incentivize the renter to take better care of the property because they know this is huh. what it must look like when I move out to get my full deposit back. But another thing we're building in to incentivize landlords to use our service is reminding the tenants, like, make sure you change your HVAC filter, make sure, you know, six months check-in. So this way there's less turnover between tenants because a vacant month for a landlord, they can lose up to three months worth of rent. So this is your, this is obviously your incentive to the, to the landlord mm -hmm. so as to, to utilize your product. How, exactly. long, how long have you been on the, uh, on, in the market for? Just under a year. And have downloads, I mean, have you been hearing success stories or? Absolutely. So, we, so we're in 40 states and seven different countries. We got users in Tunisia last week. Apparently, there's a big Remax office there. Who knew? I'm from North Africa, so I could tell you that actually Remax is in North Africa. <laughs> um, but yeah, so sadly, the competition in the space, our biggest competition is people are still using pen and paper to document the move in and move <laughs> yeah. out condition of our apartment. <laughs> and there's no way to actually verify what something looks like if you're writing it down. So um, for in your case, the timestamp meant everything, right? The timestamp meant everything. That's how I won my case. And that's why it's so imperative that we integrated it into our app because um, first of all, when you're doing the ins move in inspection, you can't go back and edit it. So everything is timestamped. So if you did have to go to small claims court, we can give you something that you could submit into evidence. And because we're a trusted third party, it can't be refuted. Right. That's... Go ahead. Two things I want to mention is like something that Lydia mentioned um, at Entrepreneur Week last week that I was personally very excited by is like two things that are developing is one that the app is going to be able to hold security deposits. So like instead of like you as a landlord having to like establish an escrow account and keep that for the length of however long I live there, there's just going to be this place that that holds it there and I can get it back pretty immediately once 
we um, check that everything is fine. And you as a landlord don't have to figure out, particularly if you have multiple units, how to where to keep all those different security deposits. Um, and the the other thing that I like that they have as an idea is like a double rating system where I would rate you as a landlord and you would rate me as a renter. And so they're like, as a renter in the future, I could go on there and be like, who are all the crappy landlords that aren't doing what they're supposed to? Right. And as a landlord, you can be like, oh, this person with like all these negative reviews is a terrible renter. Because like for me, that touches on, it's like, again, like I have like, I think everyone who's rented in the city has like personal experience with this. I just have a lot more privilege than other folks do. Though I've been able to like move out of a bad situation or say, you know what, I lost eight hundred bucks on that, but like, I can't really do much about that. I'm gonna be fine and move forward, which I've had to do each time it's happened. But then with all of these things that we talk about, think about how much that's worse for someone with much less privilege than mine. Somebody who's like can't afford their rent. Like losing a security deposit for someone who struggles to pay rent is a enormous so deal. So I, I thought what something that people do is they just don't pay their last month's rent because they know they're not going to get their security that, deposit That's also back. not good either. Like, that's, that's not an ethical solution. That's, that's Wait, not, but, but I understand it's not an ethical solution, but if you're not getting your money back... Yeah. No, no, no I, mean, I, I get it. Like I, you know, and of course... It, uh, and I'm not, and I'm not condoning that. But if you're not getting your money back, why would you pay your? But then what happens to the next renter, right? The next I, renter gets screwed by this now angry landlord who didn't get their last month's rent for whatever reason, and now they take out whatever you know negative thing they can get away with with the next person. Like it creates the I whole. Understand. No, I I'm understand. Not, I'm not, I know. I'm just saying the whole system right now is this like wild, wild west of everyone doing whatever the hell they please, and it's like. This this is like a perfect example for all you libertarians out there who like believes the market will fix well, itself. Yeah. No, it won't. Regulation so, Lydia, is helpful. N- let me ask you this: This is a. I mean, it's a. It's a, obviously it's a great idea. Obviously, you you won the big pitch. You know, it's a great idea. Um, but it also caters to people who are, and I'm talking about the landlord side, are more likely to do business in an honest manner, right? Because you're you're gonna you're gonna want to participate in something like this if you're an honest broker, quite literally, if you're an honest broker. But if you don't care and you're just gonna scoop up, you know, Kenny's a great example. I know the way Kenny lives. I'm sure he left his house. There's no reason why he wouldn't get all eight hundred dollars of his deposit back. But it was an unscrupulous landlord who would have just taken his money anyway, and they would not want to have your app, right? Because it would. There's nothing there to incentivize them because they're going to lose out on taking that money. Does that make sense? I'm, I'm not sure I'm phrasing yes, that correctly. but we are incentivizing landlords so that they'll have better renters. And the other thing, as Kenny mentioned, with security deposits, on average, if you are abiding by the law where your security deposit is supposed to be held in an escrow earning account where it earns about only 0.09% interest, what we plan to do is hold security deposits and split the interest, which is 10x more than what a landlord would be making if they held on to that security deposit. And that's no different than what Venmo or even the Starbucks app are doing. Anytime you have money sitting in the balance account, they're reinvesting that money. They're not sharing it with us, but we will share it with the landlords. And also, we're not we're not targeting landlords that are dishonest. We want honest people that just want to be transparent and hold both parties accountable on our service. And by having a rating system, it's similar with the cab industry. People feel more secure taking lifts and Ubers most times than getting ripped off in a cab. I had a terrible experience over Mardi Gras where I was going five blocks and a, a cab driver told me it was twenty five dollars and refused, like, and didn't budge. Um, And we get rid of that problem by standardizing it and becoming a trusted third party. Renters are incentivized and buy into our system and want to be good renters so then they can get a good rating for their next rental spot. 
Have you, uh, ha- has this been used in court yet? Has that any evidence or has this been tested to, to see that what the, the foundation of the, of the app is based on actually holds up in court quite literally? Well, I wouldn't say our, like the foundation isn't fighting, like we're, we're not trying to be the number one resource for small claims court. What I realized in my situation was going to small claims court and clogging the court system with frivolous uh, property claims as a privileged person myself is not the solution. And I told that to the judge. I said, I'm sorry for wasting your time, but I've been left no choice. I tried to do this out of court and I couldn't solve it. And so what we do is try and solve the problem out of the court system. But you said that this is irrefutable. This is evidence that could be. It is. So if so you I'm need to go to court, you could use I'm it. I'm just wondering. We haven't, hasn't been, we haven't uh, been in operating for a long, full year. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, no. I think I yeah. still think this. it's amazing. And you guys are based here in Louisiana? Headquartered here in New Orleans. So you're able. Are you at the at Nobic or no, the Bioinnovation Center? No, we work out of Launchpad. Got it. You work out of Launchpad. So you're able to take. Are those tax incentives still, still available yes. in Louisiana? Yes. Great. So these are tax incentives. Are you familiar with these? No, for, te- for tech companies. For tech companies that are based in New Orleans oh. or in Louisiana. Oh, yeah. In did, Louisiana. So that this. there are some tax incentives so that this way there can be some yeah. uh, uh, tech companies based. And this is one of the reasons why entrepreneur, this is one of the reasons of how entrepreneur came, we came out of Launchpad was some of these uh, and Nobic as well. Uh, yeah. And uh, so I actually, as a little, I, uh, my wife and I did a uh, an HIV based app and we were in uh, the, the big pitch like I think like 10 years ago oh nice so yeah I think uh and uh we came in 10th place so our our chips were not uh, but there's a funny story that but we'll we'll share it with you later um I want to get us through our next segment and keep on time are you gonna stay um, with us or I'm more than welcome to um yeah yeah, you're later where can folks find out more information about rent check yeah please go to getrentcheck.com um I have two I have two other pieces of information for folks um part of the reason why I brought actually to come on was like it was very topical with uh, the city council ordinance and also because of two things that happened this week related to renters rights. So one, um, there's an event for landlords. So if you are one of these landlords, that's interesting and not being trash. Um, there is a, a set, a, a, a training happening tomorrow. That's tomorrow. Um, April 2nd, Tuesday at 5.45 p.m. starting then um, at Mid-City Library, which is 4140 Canal Street. It's being hosted by the Greater New Orleans Fair Housing Organization. Um, and what they're doing is they're inviting landlords to come and do a training on how to be a good landlord and treat your tenants with you know humanity and fairness and not be trash. Wow! And like what amazing, and like what right? your rights are as a landlord and what their rights should be as a renter because as we right. previously mentioned there aren't many renters' rights. Um, and um, the second thing I wanted to point out for folks was on the flip side of it for renters on Thursday, um, Jane Place neighborhood. Um, the Chain Place Neighborhood Organization, which is an activism organization that focuses on affordable housing, they are having this Thursday, April 4th at 6 p.m. at their main offices, which is 2533 Columbus Street. They are having a um, renter's rights assembly um, where the whole point of it is that they're bringing together renters from across the city um, to talk about the issues that are most affecting renters to sort of start to build a voice as our legislative session comes up. Um, and there's going to be folks filing bills that are hopefully hopefully growing renters' rights. Um, a couple of things that they are going to be talking about is the city is updates from the city council's ordinance for short-term rentals that is still in um, in the process of of being finished. 
There's going to be updates on their court watch and eviction monitoring. Like we talked about, there's this, this big story um, around all the eviction rates and how bad that is in Orleans specifically. Um, there's going to be information about security deposit theft. And they will also have free legal consultations for people who are go- actively going through situations with their leases, with their security deposits, etc. cetera. Um, and also, they're going to provide food. And that is Thursday, April 4th um, at 6 p.m. at 2533 Columbus Street. Before we kind of move on, I just want to say thank you to Lydia. GetRentCheck.com. This is an amazing uh, concept, a very innovative concept about an app that will uh, uh, keep uh, the rentor and the rentee, the landlord, accountable to one another and hopefully uh, make sure uh, that uh, full transparency is on display, especially when it comes to, at least in 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 the renter's perspective, being able to get their security deposit back. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you, Really Lydia. appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. If you're tuning in, you are listening to 102.3 WHIV. It is a honor and pleasure, as always, to be sitting here across from one of my closest friends ever. Thank you, Lydia. Appreciate it. Kenny Francis, as we move on, and I, the question of the hour is this, Kenny. Did you vote? I did. <laughs> I did vote. I was like the, only, right. I was like the only person that voted. I, well, I'm the um, only. Can I tell you something yeah, super ahead. cool that happened? So as soon, so I, I pre-voted, right? And and and. Uh, oh, you didn't and, just vote. You early voted. Yeah, so early, you were like I, one of like three people. I early voted. Oh yeah, no, they had to like go down the list. And, <laughs> hold on. So I, I got two stories for you. One is my voting machine did not work. Oh no. So I just FYI, like I am somewhat prop have problematic. Does she know how to get out? By the way, okay, I'm somewhat problematic. These voting, so the machine did not. I was like, she stuck the card in, right, and the machine did not work. And so the, you know, the 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 volunteer came over, and then she was like repeatedly pushing. The oh button, my god! Of right, and right. So I was able to hit the X. So I voted. Click, ding. You know, it went, and then it says next. So I go to hit next. So then she pulls like a like a pointer or like a pencil or something and then she was jamming it into oh my god I swear to Only god. and then it clicked and then it summarizes and it says is this your vote and she looked at me she says your vote and I'm like yes ma'am and then she's like go ahead and I tried to click like oh to exit out and then she took out this thing it's so then, ridiculous alright so that's number one so here is the coolest thing in the world so after this is Leon and this is what Leon and I are the, the dorks that we are. So as soon as I didn't even know this was a thing and, 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 and Leona did not know this was a thing either. As soon as the polls are over, do you know what each election, you know what each poll has to do each site? They post their results from that precinct on the window or on oh, the door. Do they? And that's how they get early. Oh, I didn't. I didn't know that. I might start like driving around the polling so, places in the so, next election cycle. So that's what some Do of my own. No. Yeah. So so we. She's like. She looked at me and she's like, "This is gonna sound crazy, but do you want to go to Just our precinct and, and go <laughs> and 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 ch- and check it out?" I was like, no, I, I, yeah, let's go do it. I was sitting playing music and she was reading and uh, in the polls closed on Saturday night. And yeah, that's what we do on a Saturday night. <laughs> Sounds like a, it's like, it's like a married couple. A, a, that's a wild, been... <laughs> a wild marriage you guys have. <laughs> and, uh, well, it was, it was a crazy 24 hours. I played music <laughs> twice in two different, I was like, hoss for the cogs playing music, whatever. <laughs> anyway, so we were just like calling it a night. And so she's, so we drove to our precinct. So she went up to the, she took, pictures of the of the results and then reported it back in and that was part of the 
getting that was how that, part of like that the early like that was the early how the results. early results. That's interesting. And of Isn't course, that fascinating? Of course, that's how we do it. Um, on that note, um, only yes. only six point seven percent people turned out All for right, this election. Wh- what was the election? So before we get into that, I just want to make a brief point. Um, Jarvis DeBerry wrote an article about this, making the same point. Um, I think it was either yesterday or today. Um, we have too many elections, in Louisiana. And do you know how much this on, election cost? Depending on how like cynical 000. you want to get with it um it's either just like i again folks have heard me say this many times when it comes to things that don't work right in louisiana i can never decide whether it's like by design well for for like you, you know, know i think about nefarious that. purposes That's or if I it's think. just simply we just like are inept because like there's always there's always a little bit of both. I say option A. There was there's but there's always like ineptness in there too. Fair enough, fair enough. And so it's fair just enough. like I can never decide whether it's like was this some sort of like dastardly plan or whether you just like didn't think it all the way through. Right. Um and I think the number of elections we have, like like this makes no sense that we had an election this Saturday for and then we one have an, item. Right. And then, and then, then we now have day. another election in a month on a on this on a Mardi on a on a not Mardi Gras, on, on a um Jazz Fest Saturday. There's going to be another election that also has only one thing on the ballot. Why are these two things not on one ballot for spring elections? Why are these things not on different? Why are these things on two separate ballots? We vote for one thing. And like, and we do this all the time. We have like all these elections in Louisiana. And then nationwide, voter apathy is a big problem. Our voter apathy problem in Louisiana is especially bad. Partially because we have elections, it feels like every month there's an election for like one thing. What was or one? What, what seat. were we voting on? This um, time and so I, the point I just want to like drive home here is that like at some point we need to consolidate our election cycles to have more things on the ballot. Like I think three of the biggest issues in this state with the voting is that one, we make it hard for people to vote, which you know we know right. why that happens. Welcome to America. That's that's what America does, and the GOP is really really good at, at making sure that at least many people vote as possible. So we need to expand the vote. One, two, we need to do it less, and it needs to be on more convenient times. Holidays, holidays, and voting holidays, voting ho- voting holidays where people like can right. don't have to go to work and go, and make it more convenient with their phone. And the, and the third thing Internet. that we need, the third thing that we need to do is we need to simplify our ballots because our ballots, as we talked about the last election cycle are often so damn confusing that you need a PhD in government to understand what you're voting and, for. And 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 one of the founders of this radio station, uh, I'd like to say my wife, uh, who uh, specializes in this, she can't even read. It's hard for her to understand, and she works for the city. So And, and yeah, I think the wording, specifically of like constitutional amendments, the wording of those have to get better, and they have to get more plain, accessible language. Um, when you use legalese and a bunch of jargon that only policy wonks who spend all their time um, nerding out about it are going to understand um, that that's that's not accessible that's not a fair vote for folks particularly when here's the reality folks the average like reading level in Louisiana is sixth grade I've the, the, the amendments don't read no that, the, like, I, I we can't I have a doctoral degree and I can't read it all right what was the thing about let's go we gotta oh, move. okay so the election that happened last Saturday that none of you knew about or showed up for was <laughs> which didn't which did not so pass. It was it did not pass. It overwhelmingly did not pass. Yeah. Of the of the like four people who voted, three three of them. Of the, so me, you, of, Liana. Of the, and I think the mayor voted. And I think she and she was a no. Yeah, of she the, was a no. Of the four people who voted, three of us voted no. Um, almost seventy five percent of people did not vote. 
um, in favor of this measure. And so what the measure was, it was a tax. Um, the best way to put it, it was an elderly services tax. Um, here's like the nitty gritty details of it. It was a proposed two mill property tax that would be collected over the next five years that would generate around $6.6 million annually. Um, and so based on sort of like looking at the average selling prices of homes, the tax would have cost each homeowner in the city roughly, um, depending on the worth of your house, $60 or more in taxes. Um, and if approved, the tax was going to affect into 2020. What, you might ask, is this task for? And that is the problem with the tax. The tax vaguely, vaguely was to increase um, our budgetary allotments to um, elderly services, so things like Meals on Wheels. But the problem is, is that um, the folks behind this proposal did not, in the most like Louisiana way, flesh out what exactly they wanted it for. And so here's basically what happened. What basically happened was they're like, we want this tax for more services for the elderly. We have this like ever increasingly um, aging population, and we don't have enough services or funding for them. For example, which which is a which, which is a problem. Yes, which is, that that is a which is a that problem. Is a truth. Full stop. Yes. Okay. I just full want to stop. Be clear. That is, that a, is problem. a real thing. That is a problem okay. that we need to do something yes, about. Yes. And fair I share. would actually be a very fair much. Share. A very much a proponent to increase that funding and to like provide the services or that funding the same, should be there in the same way we yes. need more augmented yes. funding for social services yes. Yes. full stop full yes we need Fair more enough. funding for all sorts of yes. social yes. services yes. one of which is services for the elderly in our ever-increasing aging population and with so many of them particularly with some of them so many of them being on fixed incomes that is something that no one is denying needs to happen the problem is, is that we put forth a tax that we basically said, we'll let you know later what we're going to use it for. And no, no, y'all, we're not going to like, we should not vote for a tax in which we're told we'll let you know what we're going to do with it later. No, like there should be an accounted for plan that specifically says exactly what you're going to use it for. And in fact, when BGR came out against this tax, in much like more flowery language than I just used, that's basically what they said. They're like, yeah, no one's disagreeing that we need more money to take care of the elderly, but you didn't tell us what you're going to use this money for because currently the city um, sends about $1.5 million to this this um, private nonprofit entity called the Council on Aging, um, and they get $1.5 million for that. So this would, this would raise that amount by more than double of what they would be getting, and then there was no sort of instructions of like what you're going to do with the money and like what are the priorities in terms of service for the elderly? Are we spending it just on meals? Are we spending on community centers? Are we spending it on more healthcare options? Are we spending it on more transportation? Like what are the priorities for the need? There was never any priorities set down. There was never any like details about like what we were going to spend it on. And so BGR was like, no, the citizens should not vote for a tax in which you're basically saying we're going to figure out how we're going to use this money later. That doesn't make any sense. Another thing that I find very concerning about it, um, if you listen to our show for a while, then you've heard um, the episode that we did on tax dedications and um, the fair share campaign. And if you haven't heard that episode, go back and listen to it because I think it's a very good explanation of why a city that generates as much revenue as we do for a relatively small city gets such a small piece of that pie to actually spend on the things that we need. And, and um, to be clear, New York gets 100% of their tourism dollars back. And we back. get about 10. Hold on. San Francisco gets 75% of their tourism dollars back, and we get 10% of our tourism um, dollars back. I think it's like 11%, but, you know, who's oh, counting? Dude. Um, 
Who's counting? I think I think I think if we're being super technical, it's like eleven point two. All right, what's the next? It's like what's eleven the next point. One but the other, but the other thing I want to point out, though, okay. the thing I want to point out about it is that another thing that I have is that like I want to be clear. I don't have any like personal stories or like objections to the council on aging. Um, and for all that I can see, they you know do good work that is meant to help elderly folks in the city. However. This is a private nonprofit um, that would not be accountable to voters in any way, shape, or form. And given the the current state of our tax dedications in the city, um, I'm like I'm wholesale against diverting more public funds to non governmental entities that we as voters don't have any accountability for. That's like um, worse worse than the fact to me worse than the fact that we. Um, basically put forth a tax and didn't say what we were going to spend it on. Um, worse than that for me is like right as we are in the middle of a fight with non-public unaccountable entities that are holding on to large sums of our tax dollars, here we are proposing a tax that's going to give empower another one with millions of taxpayer dollars. We need to stop doing this. Money from city taxpayers should not be handed over to non-governmental ent- entities that are not accountable to voters because like we can't go vote the council on agents pres- president out of office if they if he misappropriates the use of this money we're just like stuck with it unless like like no we should this not is, do but that this is the neoliberal plan on a grand scale which is to privatize all yeah. public functions yeah. and uh, the the one that i will use that you may or may not have uh experience with is public schools yeah so yeah. anyway, let's move. We, if you're tuned in, you are listening to 102.3. We are streaming live on 1230 AM WBOK. This is Resistance Radio. Mark Calendary. That's Kenny Francis. And so the second thing I want to talk about um, is another thing, is another vote that's coming up. So hopefully folks will know about this one. There is an election happening on May 4th. Yes, you heard that right. That is the Saturday of the is first that the, week Is that the Jazz Rolling Fest. Stone Saturday? Well, not anymore. <laughs> No, they were going to be coming on Thursday. Um, but <laughs> on May 4th, yes, Jazz Fest Saturday, there's going to be another election. It's not like you go to Jazz only Fest, do you? One thing. I actually don't go to Jazz Fest, yeah, so I, I will be say. you know, voting right now. I'll be early. voting with you. You want to go do election returns after? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we can see how like, the 10 funny. people voted. Um, and if you're tired of us making jokes about low voter turnout, turn out. Right. <laughs> Just go vote. Go vote. Um, go vote early. It's fun. Yeah. You get a little sticker. And you do get a sticker unless they've ran out. I no, I love the stickers. I have a collection of stickers on the um, so my on, dresser. Here's what we're voting for on May fourth. So on May fourth, um, basic. So I'm going to simplify this to folks because it's going to be like um, it's kind of confusing when you just read the text of it. So I want to stress that what we're voting for on the fourth is not a new tax. I want to repeat, it is not a new tax. It is not asking you, the voters, for any additional money. What is asking you, the voters, for is for legal, um, for your legal consent to divvy up money that you've already agreed to give in different ways. So I'm going to say that again. What we're voting for on on the fourth is going to be called a tax, but it's not a tax because it's not a new tax. You already pay these taxes. What they're asking you to do on May fourth is to divvy up the money that you are already paying into a different way and. Um, the more specifics of that is essentially right now, um, city, uh, Audubon park gets, um, tax dollars from a previous millage that was made for them. Um, the city's parks and park, the city's parkway parks and parkways department and the recreation commitment 
um, commission also get um, also get like dedicated tax dollars. And then City Park actually doesn't get any current um, tax revenues currently, and they currently um, raise all their money privately through like fundraisers, etc. What this is going to do, what they're asking you to do on the on the fourth, is to allow all four of those entities to be um, what's the word linked by sharing the tax revenue that's already generated. So there's a previously existing tax that helps fund the Audubon Institute. There's a previously existing tax that helps fund the Parks and Parks and Parways Department. There's a previously existing tax that um, already funds the Recreation Commission. And there isn't a current tax that funds City Park. What they're going to do is essentially pool that money and split it out four ways so that all of our parks and recreation entities in the city are um, have income that's from tax dollars and that we don't have one that's like over here on its own trying to survive without any sort of public funding. And it, it links them in terms of like both their, di- their, their dialogue and their like, um, what's the word, like resource sharing. And so the way it's going to shake out is parks and parkways and recreation will basically see no difference in their funding. Um, The Audubon is actually going to see the amount of funding they're getting get cut in half by this. Um, And city park is going to get tax revenue for the first time. Um, And so basically what this was is this was a deal that Audubon for the greater good of parks and recreation in the city, Audubon is giving up some of its money so that city park can have funds to pay for things. And so this is essentially a millage for the parks. But again, and, and you will hang on, hang on a second. Sorry. <laughs> this is a God, this is a millage for the parks that will be referred to as the park millage. Yes. That's park just, millage. Right. It's so, a park millage. Yeah, the point that Kenny was about to say is that this is actually not a new not tax. A new tax. And the point that he's making is that what is what you're voting on uh, is the distribution of the funds that is going to be uh, spread about or distributed in a more equitable way amongst the parks. Now, if you guys well, had PhDs yeah. in policy, you may understand that. So that's the probably the point zero 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 one percent of us in the audience. But for the rest of us who don't have PhDs uh, or graduate degrees or you know anything that is completely illegible how to read oh, yes. these oh, yes. effing oh, yes. like it's compl- like when I was reading I went in to go vote on on Tuesday of last week I knew what I wanted to vote I know what but I was going in there, but I got that I read it, and I was <laughs> like, wait a second. And you know, in the back of my head, I was like, nope, this is what I'm voting, so go and vote that. Yeah, and, and that's and, a problem. Right. It's a huge problem. It's a huge problem. We need to focus more on that. We need to, like, I know there's another topic or... Yeah, well, I just want to say that we just need, we do need to focus. Yeah. We talked about it with J.P. Morrell at Movement Monday mm-hmm. at the Ace as we were wrapping up. I was mm-hmm. like, because this is one of the bees in my bonnet, which is yeah. unique. And I think that it's being done by design. And this goes back to how we actually started this. Is it re- is it made complicated purposely? And I think that the answer is yes. That they phrase them in a way that uh, instead of just being something that's easy to read, that, that very clearly states what it is that they're being asked uh, or were being asked to make a decision on they're you know they're 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 done in a way that are purposely com- complicated and in previous uh uh shows we in fact we did it with the last election we had jp morrell come in and and and, and explain it to us but we'll have kenny and i will have either uh, liana or somebody come on air and read the ballot initiative
initiatives and then explain to us what those ballot initiatives are. Kenny Francis, clearly one of the smartest people that I know, especially when it comes to politics. Myself, I'm not necessarily a dumb dude, but it's impossible. <laughs> not to, necessarily <laughs> a dumb dude. It's, it's impossible to read uh, those, uh, those ballot initiatives. And the last thing I want to say on the millage is two things. One, if you are a public policy nerd like me and you want to get you want the actual details the actual detail is like they're currently um the millage rate is 6.31 and the breakdown if we approve this is going to be audubon's going to get roughly two nord is going to get roughly two um parks and parkways going to get a little bit less than two and there's going to be like a little slice cut out for city park um and so like mark allen said it's just like spreading about basically what this millage is asking you to do at the end of the day is to spread around um some of the money that you are already paying for these parks and recreation to include city park in the pie so that we can also take care of city park so it should be a pretty um you know easy thing the one thing i do want to say for folks to look forward to is that like folks might be thinking like wow this is why is audubon you know the folks that like run that giving up this money well, for one, it's in the interest of public good, and so like there there might be this crazy crazy idea where folks over there actually like believe in that. Um, and the other thing being that this is also a very smart move for all of our parks and recs folks in the city, because if you're looking forward in time, the millages that currently fund all those entities I just said expire in 2021 and 2022, and so by linking all their faiths together, they can create a um, what's a collective. Um, push publicly for funding because um, City Park actually had a millage fail in 2014 that they tried to put forward for the voters. Um, and so I'm assuming that the calculus here is that like if we're all tied together, when it comes time for us to ask the voters for money in 2021 and 2022, doing it together makes a lot of sense than doing it so apart. they're joining together in a union. Basically, they're becoming yeah. a union. They're unified. They're getting ready to collectively <laughs> so bargain one, with the voters so of the one, city. So one voice representing many yeah. is actually stronger than one voice yeah. representing one. Yeah, they're or, they're organizing. Exactly. Exactly. Right, we got to start wrapping um, up here. So the last thing I wanted to talk about, which I actually don't have a ton on, um, but I just wanted to give folks sort of a brief primer on it because when we finally get when we get a decision here, we're going to dive real deep into it. Um, so we've been talking about Mayor Kentrell's fair share campaign for quite some time now. Um, if you have no idea what we're talking about, please go back and listen to the great interview that we did with her um, back in February. Um, we also did a follow-up episode in which we talked about the interview and we talked in depth about the tax dedications. And you can find those on whivfm.org. Or you can Spotify or iTunes. Right, or you can, and then you can go to um, uh, On Demand and you'll see Resistance Radio. Um, and so... Essentially, what she's trying to do is she's trying to get New Orleans more of its fair share of specifically the hotel tax, where the current math works is that we generate around $200 million a year in uh, revenue from hotel taxes, and the hotel industry is keeping over um, 75% of that, um, and the city is getting a, a, a much smaller piece Crimes. of the pie. It's about like 11.2% that Crimes. we get. Um, for our general fund, and it's part of why we can't pay for anything, why the roads can't get paid for. It's why, why. we have boil water advisories. And so one, so the big thing that she, the the update that we have for you is that like, Kentrell has basically came out and said what she wants. What she wants is she wants seventy five million dollars right now to invest into, which is a lot of money. <laughs> she wants seventy five million dollars. No, no, it's, like, it's fair. It's she fair. Wants, yeah. she, I she wasn't wants, laughing about that. She I was wants, laughing at their response. That's she wants seventy five million upfront right now to put into sewage and water board. 
Uh, because like as I'm sure if you've been reading the news, like the Sewage and Water Board, on top of all the other problems it has, doesn't really have money to do anything it needs to do. Um, and so investing immediately in our infrastructure so that, you know, hurricane season is coming, y'all. We need this money. And then she's asking for an additional um, yearly for extra $40 million to spend on infrastructure. So all the things in our city infrastructure that, do, that don't work, our mayor is trying to get $75 million right now. And she's trying to get $40 million per year um, as a recurring that, she, that she'll get back from the hotel. And again... The thing that they're going to try to do, they being the hotel industry and the other private forces that don't want this to happen, the thing that they're going to continue to try to say here is say that like the mayor just wants to raise taxes on you. The mayor's like putting these new taxes that are going to take all your money away well, and, being and it's going to make and it's going to make all of the people who the 20 million people who visit this city are going to stop coming because the tax the, all the prices are going to go up and the new Orleans is going to fall into complete disrepair and it's going to be all because you didn't let us keep all of our money no y'all that's not what's happening Very this money annoying. gets raised every year no matter what people will not stop coming to the city because new orleans is what it is and people come here because of the people of new orleans and our culture and all, all the amazing things about this city. The what all the mayor's trying to do here is to try to recoup some of that money to spend it on the things that you and I and everybody else here, the people who actually live here, need. The majority of this burden of what's what may or may not happen with hotel hotel prices because of all of this will be paid by tourists, which is who should be paying for it. You guys read the Lens article that just came out uh, that is a follow-up of the information that Logan was telling us last week, talking about the cozy relationship that city councils at city councils over the course of, did you read the article? Yes, of city councils over the course since the 80s have had with the Denton Group. It will explain a lot as to what's happening. What are we listening to here, Kenny? Um, we're going out on it's a song called Dedication by Nipsey Hussle. Thank Talk you, guys. Soon. We'll see you next week. Thank you, Kenny. Grandma said I get some joints for my grades. That's my baby. When she died, my heart broke a hundred ways. 